Um, I especially love it when I get to do a concert where I'm sharing the stories of, of the music, then I really feel like I get to have a connection with each and every audience member. This time on Measured Voices, a conversation with New Age pianist Lynn Trudeau. On the eve of the release of her fifth album, Fellowship of Solitude, we talk about how it differs from her past recordings and about her approach this time to releasing and promoting the new album. We also talk influences, telling stories instrumentally, and about how 2018 is shaping up to be Lynn's busiest year yet musically. That and more, next on Measured Voices. First question, uh, describe your music for someone who's not familiar with it. My music would best be described as um, not so much of background music, but just a very calming, soothing style of music. Um, typically, it's described as it falls under the umbrella of New Age or contemporary instrumental, but that really is um, getting to be more of a neoclassical slide to it. So for those uh, music genre folks out there, <laughs> um, but it, it would be... Very soothing. It's meditative. It's used a lot in in yoga. It's uh, used a lot um, as just kind of a calming, relaxing, soothing. I like to call it wine sipping music. Oh, there you go. <laughs> now we talked a while back, and when we were talking about your music, you mentioned that, if I remember correctly, that you felt like your music was often more melodic than some of the other music that was out there. Uh, would you say that is the main difference, or what other differences do you see from other performers that are out there? Well, one of the things I think that makes my music fall much more into a neoclassical style and less of a true New Age style is that it. I do focus a lot on song structure and on having very strong melodies. And when I'm going through a piece and working on it, I, I like to try and, and write a melody that will stick in your head, something that you will remember and that you'll be able to hum along to if you've listened to it a lot, versus going much more into an ambient style where it's more of just a repeating pattern, mm -hmm. which is also a very lovely style. It's just not the style that I typically find myself writing in. So you talked about when you're working on a piece. Talk about your writing process and, and maybe how that's sort of evolved over the course of my albums. my writing process it always starts a little different with every single song. Sometimes I will sit down with a very strong theme in mind of what I want to write about and and I will first start with the melody generally, although I guess occasionally I will start with a really wonderful bass rhythm and a, a wonderful um, accompaniment and then build a melody on top of it. But it usually starts with, a, with, a, with the melody, which is why I end up with such strong melodies oftentimes. And then I will kind of work it from there. Once I've got my, my first melody, I'm a huge fan of a secondary melody, so I'll find something that accompanies it um, in that area. And, uh, and I find a lot when I'm putting an album together is I will go back and say, oh, I've got too many key of Fs. <laughs> I need to come up with something else. You know, I, so I try to make sure that I'm pulling in a lot of different moods and things because when I'm putting an album together, I want it to very much tell a story. 
and and take you on a journey. And I really try to make sure that each song has its own character and tells its own piece of the story. You, you just talked about uh, having your songs try to tell a story. What are what are some of the stories that you try to tell musically? Yeah, I, I talk a lot about in my in my music. I will end up telling a lot of stories about family, stories about my own family. I draw a lot on my own personal experiences. I love to write also about nature and you know beautiful mountains and crystal blue skies and whatever nature will inspire me to to want to write about. Um, but it usually has some sort of an interpersonal relationship element to it, where if it's about um, travel, it's about travel with somebody special. Or if it's about a mountain, it's about going climbing with somebody. Typically, my husband will will do a lot of hiking. Now, I can see, having heard some of your music, where the nature themes come through musically. How are you able to convey that sense of family or, or personal experience musically. I mean, some of the tones in your music, it, it's easy to hear, you know, snow-capped mountains or, or those kinds of things, but I would imagine it's a little more difficult to try to envision people through, the, through an instrumental when, there's, when there aren't words. Typically, the, the family element and, and the, the interpersonal relationship things will come through more in the way of picking a specific situation or a time in life where I will focus in on that, and then from that will then come the story built in there. And uh, oftentimes, if I'm specifically sitting down to write something, for example, I wrote a song about my granddaughter, and I was a, that was an example of a time when I sat down, I had a purpose in mind, what I wanted to write about. We had just come back from her birthday party when she turned four years old, and I was just feeling this overjoyed sense of the innocence and the joy of childhood and being at that particular age. So I sat down and I, I wanted to bring that kind of a dance feeling because she spent a lot of time dancing on that weekend of her birthday. And so I was just kind of trying to, to bring that element in. So I kept it very light and I tried to make it in a minor or a major key instead of a minor key. So you're trying to pull along a lot of that imagery in with when the storyline then is coming. And then the title, I love to choose really interesting titles that kind of give you a sense of what the song is going to be about before you hear the first note. Okay. Now, you, you referenced uh, basically being a grandmother. So you've embarked on this career at a stage in life when in most genres of music, it's really impossible to gain any traction. And yet... In this genre, you have certainly gained uh, some traction. Why do you think this particular style of music uh, lends itself to starting, say, a music career a little later, like any time after the age of 30? Uh, because by in most genres, if you haven't really gotten anywhere by the time you're 30, there's no point, really. Well, I think part of it is that my target audience is my own age. I think that really, really helps. So in new age and ambient and um, solo instrumental music, it, it really is the target audience is that 45 to 65 age group. 
Uh, and, uh, and, and so I think that that was something that allowed me to very easily fold into this. I, I've been amazed at how many of my fellow musicians in my genre had a completely other uh, musical life, and then they got into that target audience age group, and they morphed into this, this genre. So they maybe were a rock and roll musician earlier in life, and as they got to a certain age, then they wanted to listen to instrumental music, and then they started to write in this genre. Well, speaking of writing and, and performing in this genre, this uh, I'm going to jump around my list of questions a bit and maybe ask you to play us something, if you could, and, and tell us a little bit about uh, what, what we're going to hear. Well, um, let's see. I, uh, why don't I start with something that is probably my one of my most popular songs. Um, and it's a song that I wrote uh, really kind of as an afterthought on an album. I, I was writing my album, A New Dream, and I was finishing the album and just thought it needed another song on it. And I wanted to write something very different than anything else. Like I said earlier, I like to make every single song have its own feel. And I was really kind of thinking about dreaming because it was a, an album about, about dreams and, and fulfilling dreams. And uh, I wanted to write something about maybe going to Paris. And so I sat down and started to work on. I, I wanted to pull in something that had kind of a Parisian flair to it. And, uh, and then I thought, well, let's just get really crazy and decide to make it a really good dream. And I love uh, the artist Vincent van Gogh. And so I threw him into the mix and decided that he and I were going to meet for lunch at that wonderful cafe that he made that painting of, uh, Paris, uh, the Paris Cafe at night. And, uh, and so then it became Lunch with Vincent. Thank you. 
your music was described by one reviewer as having a quiet hymn-like quality. To what extent does spirituality play into your compositions, if it does? Yeah, very much so. Um, it really is um, a matter of you know, being able to have that connection and to really feel like my music is feeding my soul. And if I feel like my music is feeding my soul, my hope is that it feeds somebody else's also. And, and to be able to enrich people and to have that kind of a wonderful connection with people, to be able to share that experience. And um, I especially love it when I get to do a concert where I'm sharing the stories of, of the music, then I really feel like I get to have a connection with each and every audience member. Now, your travels have taken you from Minnesota to Alaska to Seattle to here in Idaho and probably several points in between. How, do, do, how has that journey uh, influenced or flavored your music? Um, I think that it has brought in a lot of different themes, especially in my first album, in Echoes of Life. Uh, there were a lot of the songs on that album that reflected backwards onto the, my life at that point. And so that was why it was called Echoes of Life, is having the, and many of the songs reflected different places that I had lived, where there were songs about Seattle, there were songs about Alaska, there were songs about Minnesota, and living in all these different places. And a lot of nature themes in that particular album of just uh, experiencing the weather and the conditions and the northern lights and just all kinds of different things um, throughout that. Now, sort of continuing that on that theme, you and your husband in the last year have moved to a place where I think you or he may have described it as sort of being out in the middle of nowhere. But when I look out the windows of your home, there's there's really quite a panoramic vista to kind of gaze upon and, and, and lose yourself, really. How, how has that influenced composition, or what does that bring to your music, or what do you expect it to bring to your music going forward? It really has, uh, living in this house has been very reflective. I've, I've spent a lot of time just really kind of soul-searching and, and getting more in touch with all of those elements in my own life that um, reflecting on memories and reflecting on where I want to go forward. And the, my uh, album that is about to release is entitled Fellowship of Solitude. And everything on that album was written in our new home here. It's all kind of stemmed from just kind of communing with the nature that is around us and the beautiful vistas that are around us. And really just having that time to get in touch with myself and reconnecting with myself. Now, when this airs, initially, we'll be about three weeks away from the release of that new album. And you talked a little bit about how it uh, has differed uh, from your previous albums. Uh, what Was that a goal when you sat down to write that? Or, or did that just sort of flow from the energy and the spirit of the landscape in, the, in this particular house? It, it really, when I write an album, 
it, the first half of an album generally just is very organic. It just, whatever spills out onto the keys and whatever, wherever my, my soul decides it wants to go with a particular album. And then once I'm about six or seven songs in, I will look at the collection and try to figure out what am I thinking about? What is it I'm, what it, what it, where am I at in my journey through life? And, um, and this particular album, I really, I very much realized with what I had written at that point in time is it was very introspective and I was spending a great deal of time because we, because we live out, um, a decent amount of distance, or at least by most city folk standards, we live out quite a ways by Seattle standards. We don't live far out at all. Um, but because we have some acreage and we've got beautiful views in all directions, it really allowed me that opportunity to feel separated and apart. And, and a lot of the music that was written, especially on the first half, came from that. And then once I realized that was my theme, then I purposefully felt that I needed to explore many of the different avenues of that and one of the songs on the on the new album is entitled what hides in the dark and the idea behind that one it was one of the last songs that I wrote for the album and I found myself having these reoccurring dreams almost nightmares of of being a small child and it was very representative of that inner child that we all have and my fears from childhood of you know, all those, those, those things that you don't want others to know about you. And I became very emotional as I was writing that song because I realized I was tapping into all of those fears. And then, then came the title. As, as I realized I was writing in a minor key and it was very kind of spooky and uh, very uh, much of that Harry Potter kind of a feel to it. And I realized I was thinking about that inner child that was so fearful as I was putting out my fifth album. It's like, well, what if nobody likes it? And what if it's a flop? And all those fears that all bubbled to the surface. And I realized we all have those things about ourselves and those fears that we have, whether they're real or imagined, that we don't want anybody else to know about. And so I thought, well, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm just going to put this song out there and, and uh, to kind of ask people to think about what are the things that you hide in the dark. With that, can you perhaps play something from the new album so that uh, people can kind of get a taste of what to expect uh, when it comes out? Sure. Um, I think I want to play one of my favorites from the album. And uh, it's the title track. Um, and it's one of those very strong, melody-driven kind of songs that I've become known for. Um, and it was a song, was one of the first songs that I wrote um, for the album, and it was one of the first songs I wrote in this house, and it's entitled Fellowship of Solitude.
Now, for the new album, you're doing something uh, I think could be described as a little different for the release. Can you talk about what you're doing and and how that decision kind of came about? Um, Well, one of the things that uh, I've always kind of had as a goal is I wanted to make it onto Billboard. I think you're talking about the band camp thing that I'm that I'm doing um, is um, and if not you'll tell me <laughs> well that's certainly part of it um, is I've always wanted to make it onto billboard and uh, and so I, I decided that we would go ahead and uh, we're doing a long pre-sale for this album and uh, and we've got it out there and on Bandcamp you can get it for an autographed copy or digital physical or digital for five dollars to try and entice a lot of people to buy it right Mm -hmm. off of the bat. Um, And then those would then ship out on the uh, release date on or about the 20th of July. Um, So that was one of the things that we wanted to do a little bit different about this one. And then we did a really unique um, photography for the cover. That was another kind of different thing that we did with this one. We work with a wonderful local photographer here in Idaho named Jim Gilmore. And he does fantastic work. And he had this, we had talked about what the theme was going to be in the title for the album. And, uh, and he had this great idea of taking a picture of me in a globe. And so we've got a, a wonderful, very beautiful shot for the cover that Jim Gilmore took of me inside of a glass ball to really give you that feel of solitude. <laughs> so the, the new album releases July 20th. 2018 for people who maybe hear this after that date but you're doing something slightly kind of unique as far as that goes as well with the the release party i guess as it were oh yes we're um we're doing a uh, a cd release i typically will do a cd release and i've done them online before and so this time we're going to be opening our home and I'm going to be performing as much of the album as I can for everybody that comes um, to be able to hear it where it was recorded and where it was written. So that's a very unique thing that we're also doing with that one. So 50 of your closest friends. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that sort of ties into the next question, and maybe it's directly related. Uh, You and Joseph L. Young recently sort of launched a concert series, and it seems like the CD launch party perhaps is a slight, if not a variation, an extension of that. But how did that concert series come about, and and what are your long-term goals for that? Well, I ended up... Um it's it's very easy, especially I think in in a, in the new age genre, is many of the artists where we do a lot of solo work, and uh, we don't generally do a lot of gigging, so we don't know about it. We know each other, we know each other's work, but we don't generally meet out in public places with each other. And I was doing a performance here in Idaho, and someone had said, "Well, of course you must know." Joe Young. And I said, well, I'm very familiar with his work and it's very beautiful. And they said, well, did you know he lives here in Boise? So long story short, we ended up um, meeting and becoming good friends. And we decided that we wanted to start a concert series for other artists, 
partly as a networking thing, but also to give a place for artists of our genre from around the country to be able to come in and be able to perform. And so we did it kind of for ourselves and also for our other musician friends to be able to come and perform instrumental music um, so it's a lyric-free zone, <laughs> it is, which is a bit of a novel idea for, for folks who are accustomed with country western or folk music and those types of things. But um, the type of music that both Joe and I write is instrumental music, and so it'll be a, an instrumental concert series of guitarists and all kinds of artists that perform instrumental music. Time to, time to move the secret society out into the public. Yeah, we're we're going to bring our secret society out into public, yes. <laughs> I'm going to uh, backtrack a little bit. Uh, before you launched your recording career, you taught piano for a number of years. How, if at all, did that connect or transfer when you finally made the decision, I'm, gonna, I'm going to start writing my own music and start performing and recording my own music? Well, I had, I mean, the, the recording part was a very seamless thing to be able to do. I had, uh, as a part of my studio, I recorded my students. I would to get them ready for recitals and talent shows and, you know, any kind of performance opportunities that they had either inside my studio or performance opportunities they had found as a way of preparing them for things like stage fright and pre- preparing them for being an active listener as they were preparing to perform, they would play into the recording equipment that my husband had, as an electrical engineer, he was able to put together an entire recording studio for my teaching studio. And then when we moved to Idaho, the decision was made that I would write my own stuff and perform my own music and then we decided to record it since we had all of the recording equipment as it was and obviously our recording equipment has evolved as we've gone through the journey but that was kind of our early start for that and it was just kind of a a natural transition and then I had always done arrangements for my students as a part of my of my studio every year each student I would make arrangements of Christmas songs for them for them to have Christmas songs to play for their family members during the holidays. It it became an immediately a very popular element to my studio, and so it just kind of blossomed from there, and every single student got a songbook arranged just for them where they were at in their skill set. And when I run into my students now over the years, they still have all of those songbooks, and they pull them out every single year <laughs> and perform for their families. Um, so that was where I really, my composing and arranging came from is all of those years that I had made arrangements for my students. Okay. Well, that sort of transitions into another question I wanted to ask you. Uh, I recently sat down with Steve Eaton uh, for the podcast, and we were talking about the music industry, and at least from his viewpoint, the publishing industry is dead for a lot of songwriters. But you told me at one point that that is really where most of whatever income you make comes from. Why do you think, and I think that's probably true for a, a number of artists in the new age genre, but why do you think that is? 
you know, I'm not totally sure, but I, I think that it really, the, um, the, the ability to license a song and to be able to get publishing and mechanical royalties is, stems from it being thought of oftentimes as background music. Um, and it, so it ends up folding in nicely with other types of albums and TV shows and all those types of things. And then um, because New Age is like so many, of, of different than so many of the other genres, it is very independent artist driven. There's a lot of independent artists who are out there promoting their own music and, and selling it independently from not having a record label that is, that is taking care of all of, their, all of their needs for them. And then the, the, uh, the record label then is the one who has all of the publishing rights. So as an independent artist, I retain all of my publishing rights. So it seems like perhaps the new age genre was ahead of the curve in a way because a lot of the music industry has now gone to that model where independent artists put their own music out and they're in total control of the distribution and, and the sales and, and whatever. Um, do you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, that is um, that has definitely been something that uh, you know that I've I've noticed inside the new age genre is that you know it, it, it fiercely independent. You know, I was saying earlier that we we're, we do a lot of solo stuff, and because of that, we're fiercely independent and and handling all of the business side of things to that degree. And I think that many other independent artists are and different genres are are really starting to model that direction. Well, with that, uh, I would like to ask if maybe you could do one more song sure okay all right so let's see um why don't i pick something else off of the uh the new album so we were talking about the beautiful vistas that are here a part of the beautiful vistas that i get in this wonderful new house that we have is that i get to not only watch the sunrise, but I get to watch the sunset. We get to see both every day. And it's one of my favorite things to do, especially in the wintertime when the days are shorter, is we get up, we get our coffee, and we watch the sunrise in the living room. And then at the end of the day, because the sun sets earlier in the day, we get our glass of wine and we sit on the patio and we watch the sun set. So that's just a magical time of day for me. And so this song is entitled Traces of Daylight.
Well, coming out of that song, it seems like a good place to ask a question I probably should have asked earlier, but talk about your musical influences. My musical influences, I was, uh, I was classically trained um, from the time I started playing at about five, but I had a wonderful teacher who allowed me to really explore a lot of other genres. So a lot of pop music and, uh, and a lot of everything except country western. That's the only thing <laughs> I've just, I, I've never been, I mean, there's some wonderful country artists. It's just never been my go-to kind well, of you, music. You don't hear a lot of grand piano on <laughs> you <laughs> country <don't>. western songs. <laughs> you don't. Um, but, uh, but I, growing up, my parents listened to a lot of big band um, and uh, I grew up watching Lawrence Welk, which was like my favorite thing in the whole world to do is because uh, I've always been musical has always been my my drive. And so uh, gathering around the television to watch Lawrence Welk. Uh, but also uh, my dad loved the, the tenors and all the crooners. And so I, I heard a lot of that type of stuff around our house too. So I had a very wide uh, variety of music and polka music. That was another big thing growing up in the Midwest. <laughs> it's a lot of polka music. <laughs> you, don't, you don't hear a lot of that on piano either. You I don't, don't hear a lot of that on <laughs> piano, but you heard a lot of it at any time there was a gathering in the community, there was something with a polka. <laughs> now, since, since, since we're kind of going backward in time a little bit, in your bio on your webpage, you mentioned that back in the day you also played uh, several other instruments, like guitar and I think flute, and I thought I remembered saxophone. Is that Saxophone and clarinet. Do you still play those, or might we ever hear those on a, on a Lintrado album? I would, I would love to do that. Um, I, it's not something that I really have a lot of time right now to, to spend playing any other instruments. It's kind of an all-consuming with the, with the piano. Um, but I definitely would, would like to do that. Um, those were instruments that uh, I think at one point in time, I think I had maybe like about 10 instruments. I had several different types of clarinets and a couple of different saxophones and um, and and just and then the pipe organ at our church was another instrument that I I loved to play and I didn't feel like I got to play it enough to master it but I've always wanted to go back and pick that one up too so you never know I may decide to <laughs> pull out a few other instruments well on the subject of playing what would you say has been your most memorable performing experience either good or bad oh oh i think i have a story of each and one of those um but uh, uh probably one of the very memorable ones was last fall i had an opportunity to play at the grand old opry and that was such a thrill to be able to realize i was uh in fact i the the uh the awards concert that i performed at reba mcintyre was in town and we knew that we were in the same dressing room that she had just used the night before. So that was just such a thrill. To, I mean, I'm not a huge country western, as we've already established, but that, you know, but that kind of an iconic musician, it, it just was, was really incredible. And, uh, um, you know, that was certainly, I think, one of the standouts for me, especially recently. Now, if you could play anywhere in the world either a place that you've already played or a, a place that you 
haven't played, either venue or city, where where would you like to play? Uh, you know, I, I've always wanted to play at Carnegie Hall. I think that would be just a real thrill for me. And I know that uh, um, one of the, the, the organization that took me to uh, the Grand Old Opry, that two years previously, they did an awards concert at Carnegie Hall, and I missed that one. So I would love to have an opportunity to go back, to, to go there and perform. So maybe that's what's next. Maybe. So aside from possibly Carnegie Hall someday, what is, what's next on the, the agenda for Lynn Trudeau? Well, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, touring this year. Um, with the new album coming out, I've got, uh, I've got the, the kickoff, of, kickoff of my touring season will be my CD release here in Idaho on the uh, 14th of June, or 14th of July, I'm sorry, 14th of July. And, uh, and you can get those tickets on Eventbrite, or you can go to lintrudeau.com and you'll find all of the ticket links that you would need for all of my concerts. And then in, uh, in July, I'll be going to Colorado, and I'm doing a tour in the Colorado area with a wonderful artist who's flying over from New Zealand. She and wow. I will be doing some concerts together there. And then uh, in September, I will be doing a concert tour in the Pacific Northwest with a friend of mine who lives in the North Pacific Northwest just outside of Seattle. And she and I are going to do a small tour through Washington and Oregon. So we'll be doing that. And, uh, and then I've got a couple of other tours that are kind of in the works for Wisconsin and Minnesota um, and a tour down in Arizona. So this is going to be the year of touring with the new album. <laughs> so you will be busy. I will be. You need to get you a tour bus, perhaps. <laughs> Although I don't know if you can fit a piano inside the tour bus. That might be... A little tricky. Well, you know, if you had one custom made, I suppose. There, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think we need to touch on? Um, let me think. Uh, we talked about the new album. We've we talked did. about touring. Uh, we talked about the concerts that are coming up. I think we've kind of... I've tried to be thorough. <laughs> you did. You were very thorough. <laughs> and you didn't ask me any embarrassing questions either. I, I try never to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I don't know enough about people to get them into embarrassed. So that's always a good thing. Uh, well, thank you so much for sitting down and, and talking about your music and uh, the experiences that have kind of led to that. And uh, hopefully we can get some more people out there to... Uh, experience and appreciate the music of Lynn Trudeau. Thank you. Thanks very much, Walt. I really appreciate being invited to come and do this. It's been fun. My thanks to Lynn Trudeau. Find links to her webpage and her social media pages on our blog at measured-voices.blogspot.com. Next time, a conversation with songwriter Rachel Lee. Send your comments, questions, and suggestions to measuredvoices at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Measured Voices. Thanks for listening. I'm Walt Huntsman, and this is Measured Voices. <laughs>